Help us to be bold in our faith and to trust the wideness of your grace, O Lord. Amen. Amen. There's no way around it. That passage from Matthew is a tough text. And as much as I might prefer to preach on a different passage, I know that avoiding tough texts is a dereliction of duty for a preacher. But we also know from the story of Jacob in Genesis that blessings often come through wrestling with God. And so I pray that this challenging interaction between Jesus and a Canaanite woman gives us all a blessing. And it would have never occurred to me that I might actually need to explain why this is a tough passage until I read an article in The Atlantic this week called How America Got Mean. You can hear it from restaurant staff, flight attendants, hospital nurses, or school teachers. We have an epidemic of meanness on our hands. And if you like data more than stories, we know that gun sales are on the rise, as are hate crimes, while charitable giving is down. It's a thought-provoking article in which the author suggests that the two most significant causes of our meanness are a lack of moral formation coupled with the loss of communal virtues in favor of the disastrous you-do-you mentality that has run amok in our society. But I'm not here to comment on Atlantic articles. The point is, we've become so accustomed to meanness these days that some might not even see the difficulty in this passage when Jesus refers to this foreign woman as a dog. And people have had all sorts of ways of wiggling around this. Some try to say, it's not as bad as it sounds. But calling someone a dog back then meant the same thing that it does today. Others try to come at it from another angle, and they claim, well, this is just an example of Jesus' humanity shining through. And he learns something when he's corrected by this Canaanite woman. But any explanation that requires Jesus to be less than God is insufficient at best, heretical at worst. Neither of these solutions are satisfying because both are attempts to just dismiss the text instead of wrestling with it. To better understand this interaction, we have to remember that Israelites and Canaanites have a lot of history and a lot of bad blood between them. Canaanites were seen as pagans who were outside of the promises that God had made to Israel, and they historically had been enemies. A lot of people upon Jesus call her a dog would have immediately thought, got that right. This Canaanite woman, though, is a profound hero of faith. When it comes to the Bible, we can have more than one hero at a time. Certainly, Jesus heals this woman's daughter and is a hero. And this Canaanite woman, who knows that there is no limit to God's mercy, is also a hero. Even though St. Paul had not yet written his letter to the Romans at this point, she already knew the truth of that letter. We heard St. Paul ask, has God rejected his people? By no means. 
Now, even though most people assume that God's people meant only the people of Israel, the Holy Spirit has guided her to know that God's yes is bigger than our no. One theologian has put it this way, the worst sin that any of us can ever commit is to say no when God has said yes. And the reverse would also be true. We get into a lot of trouble when we say yes to that which God has said no. And if we look around our lives and our society through that lens, we sure do have a lot of things that we might call to mind when we say the confession later in today's liturgy. God has said no to things like predatory lending, violence, adultery, and lying. And yet, generally, those are accepted as fairly normal. Furthermore, God has said yes to welcoming the refugee, to treating all people with dignity, to forgiving those who have wronged us, to living generously, to Sabbath rest. And yet such things are hardly commonplace, even among those who claim to follow Jesus. But the fact of the matter is that God did not create only the nation of Israel. Rather, God created the whole world, meaning that God's blessing and provision is for the whole world. In creating, God spoke a loud and resounding yes to all that is, and the Canaanite woman trusted that. She demonstrates that in God, there are no outsiders. And that's a reminder to us all. Has God rejected us? By no means. Regardless of what you have done, but should not have done, and what you have not yet done, but probably really should have by now, you are still loved by the Father. When Jesus was on the cross, he did not say, Father, forgive them, except for that one right there. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, the gift did not skip over anyone. Whatever your past, whatever your doubts, whatever your mistakes, whatever your imperfections, whatever you wish was different about your looks, or your personality, or your situation, you are the beloved child of God to whom God has said yes. And this Canaanite woman was saved by that yes, which reverberates through time and space. And clearly, this is a story all about grace. She has done nothing to deserve this healing. It was given to her. And while I cannot prove that my theory is correct, because I don't know what was going on in her mind or in Jesus, I do think this is exactly where the text is pointing us, towards grace. When she first comes to Jesus, she shouts, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. That sounds rather official, especially that son of David bit. Again, this woman is an Israelite, but the title son of David obviously is a Jewish title. It's almost like a formula. I'm not even sure what Son of David means, but that sounds like a religious thing to say, so why not? At this point in the narrative, I absolutely believe that Jesus had every desire and intention to heal her daughter. But Jesus wanted to do more than just heal her daughter. He wanted to heal her of any exclusion that she felt. And he wanted to heal the disciples of any xenophobia or self-righteousness that they were carrying with them. 
We pray it every Sunday as we begin worship. To God, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from God, no secrets are hid. The Father knows us better than we know ourselves. And Jesus, as the shepherd of our souls, knows us intimately. He knows when to push and when to pull, when to comfort and when to challenge. Because if Jesus had initially said, let it be done for you as you wish, she would have never had this opportunity to grow in faith, nor would we, on account of her bold example. But Jesus, as the master gardener of our faith, knows how to prune and fertilize us. To be very clear about this, I am not suggesting that Jesus causes us harm or is ever against us. Sometimes we just don't know how strong our faith muscles are until we have to use them. The Canaanite woman was using a title for Jesus that presumably excluded her. She was not a part of the promises made to David, but she is a part of the yes that God has spoken to all of creation. And so Jesus pushes her, just as a parent or a coach would lovingly push a child who's on the cusp of a breakthrough. Does it sound harsh when Jesus calls her a dog? Yes, it does. And Jesus knew what she would need to grow in faith and set that opportunity before her. Makes me wonder what sort of opportunities are being set in front of you. Again, she's such a great example of boldness before God. God does not need to be treated with kid gloves. We can yell at God. We can scream at God. We can argue. Because Jesus put her in a situation for her to say, but I deserve something too. To which Jesus says, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you see that. It's not that Jesus changed his mind about this woman. Rather, he helped her to change her mind about herself. And he helped the disciples to change their minds about who is included in the mercy of God. And again, I think the text is pointing us towards this reading because her first request was that formulaic, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And it's worth noting that the word translated here as Lord it doesn't necessarily mean Lord in the religious sense that we typically use it. It's just the regular word for sir. But after being pushed to go deeper, she pleads differently. Lord, help me. No religious speak that didn't mean anything to her. No titles that she thought would exclude her. Just a simple expression of need and the trust that Jesus could and would do something about it. Instead of trusting in external things like her ethnic background, or class, or accomplishments, or wealth, or reputation, or flattery, or getting her prayers quote-unquote right, she simply pleads with Jesus, help me. If you're not sure how to pray, start with that. Help me. I'm not saying that titles for God are bad, or that the wonderful prayers of our tradition are not good, but we use such words wrongly if we think that we say them for God instead of ourselves. God does not need us to say, our Father. Rather, God wants us to know that we are loved as children. 
Your prayer is no more effective if you conclude it by saying, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God now and forever. But saying that is intended to deeply remind us of where our hope is coming from. It should also be noted that Jesus takes this request for healing and he turns to table talk. In teaching about healing, grace, and inclusion, Jesus uses the metaphor of a table. This is because Jesus, the bread of life, intends to feed all of us. And lest we forget, we are all dogs. Perhaps a few of you, maybe, are Jewish, but the vast majority of us ethnically are Liberian, Zimbabwean, German, Irish, Scotch, English, or Italian. And from the perspective of this encounter, that means we are all dogs. When Jesus calls this woman a dog, it is our hubris that makes us think, how rude. Instead of thinking, thank God that dogs like me get some scraps too. But we've grown so accustomed to always seeing ourselves as the main character that we forget that it is only by grace that we are brought into the promises of God. And by grace we are. Jesus gives his life to make the point that God has said yes to us. Therefore, we can be bold in our faith, bold in our belovedness, bold in our belonging. By loving us to the end, Jesus makes it clear. We are not dogs. We are children. It is not by our striving or our deserving, but by God's gracious love that we are adopted as children of the Father. And as children of God, we are not given scraps. Rather, we are given a veritable feast in his very body and blood. It then becomes our duty and our delight to share this good news with all people, that they too are a part of God's beloved community and there is a seat at the table for them. One of the greatest prayers of our tradition is drawn right from this encounter. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. The love of God takes us from being dogs who had to scrounge for scraps to being children who are fed by his very body. Thanks be to God. <laughs>